Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a radically welcoming and progressive religious community, deeply committed to love, justice, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning. It's good to see each of you. Good to see each of you. Hmm. I'm making sure to see each of you. Yes, indeed, it is good to see each of you. Welcome to church. The hymn that we'll sing today, uh, I'd like to teach you. Um, You may have heard it before. It goes, there is a love holding me. There is a love holding all that I love. There is a love holding all. I rest in this love. Again, there is a love holding me. Will you say that with me? There is a love holding me. Good. Next one is There is a love holding all that I love. There is a love holding all that I love. The last one goes, There is a love holding all. Your turn. There is a love holding all. Yeah, that's a stretch, that one. And then it goes, I rest in this love. Your turn. I rest in this love. You want to try the whole thing together? There is a love. There is a love holding me. Holding me. And then there is a love holding all that I love. And the last one, there is a love holding all. I rest. I rest in this love. Good, good. Then it goes, there's a love holding us. There is a love holding us. And then there is a love holding all that we love. You get it? There is a love holding all. We rest. We rest in this love. Beautiful. This is a two-part round, and we'll start, um, we'll start with group one. If you think I mean you, I do. And we'll be group two. If you think I mean you, I do. I do. And that goes, that goes this way. So group two is this. Group one is this. And we'll all start with, there is a love holding me, that verse. And then we'll go into, there is a love holding us, that verse. Make sense? 
Yes? Yes. yes. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> let's, start, let's start with group one. One, two, there is a love. There is a love holding me. There is a love holding me. There is a love holding all that I love. We rest in this love. There is a love holding us. There is a love holding. There is a love holding us. There is a love holding all that we love. There is a love holding all that we love. We rest. We rest in this love, everyone. We rest in this love. Good morning. It is good to be together. My name is Jen Crow. I'm one of your ministers here at First Universalist, and it is a joy always to come together, to be here together again. It's been a bit of a week here in our city, in our country, a week full of weather, a week full with anniversaries, the anniversary of January 6th. Our parts of our country government perhaps in disarray, a week of ups and downs, delights and sorrows all unfolding for us. Whatever it is that your week has brought, I'm glad that you brought yourself here. Here in this place where we cannot take away the pains and bumps of life, but where we can make room for each other and all that we carry. From up here, the view from here is always wonderful. And one of the things I look forward to every week is watching you all arrive on Sunday mornings. From up here, I can see folks coming in alone or together. I can see folks seeking a corner, a place to be alone together. I can see folks who have had life-changing events, some good, some hard and I see you make space for each other in the pews. I did this even when we were online only. I'd watch your names come in on the participant list, sitting alone in my basement, and knowing that we were coming to be together in whatever we could was a great comfort to me, and I hope it is to you as well. It is good to be here together. Today we honor the stories we carry and we lift up in community those we have lost this year. Today is Remembrance Sunday. It's a time of stories and memory, 
a time of sliding over in our imagined or real pews to make room for all that we carry and to have it arrive here with us, trusting that we can hold all of it together. Here in this community of faith, we make space to listen deeply to where love is calling us next, to welcome, affirm, and protect the light in each and every human heart, and to act with humility and courage and compassion in service to justice. We strive to end oppression in all of its forms within ourselves, within our community, here at church and beyond these walls, and to build communities of love and care and hope. There are so many ways to be a part of this community here at First Universalist. If you're with us in person today, I want to lift up that we have coffee and conversation in the social hall after the service today, and also that there are two new art installations in the social hall. Fazia Khan, member of our community, has two exhibits downstairs that she was working on during the year 2020. There's the Becoming Visible exhibit for which Fazia interviewed 12 Minnesotan women from all different life paths, from the original inhabitants of this land to our newest immigrants about their contributions to community. She uses embroidery as a metaphor for the laborious nature of unacknowledged women's work. And she manipulated photos of those women and digitally embroidered images of their eyes on flour sack dish towels, a symbol of traditional gender roles. The installation incorporates the contributions of these women to Minnesota through written summaries and a video. And there's a video running downstairs sharing these women's stories. I hope you will make sure to see that part as well. The second installation that she has downstairs is titled Persevere. And it was created in response to the grief and paralysis she was feeling as a result of the pandemic and the murder of George Floyd. This was more of a restorative practice that you'll see, a practice of creating a mandala every day to find a place of refuge and a way to persevere in the work that was ahead. This exhibit is on view downstairs, and Fazia will be there after both services to have conversations with you. These are two different installations in one space, one a refuge, one intentionally evocative and provocative that crosses cultures and borders and boundaries in technique and imagery. As is true with every encounter you have here at church, whether it's in the worship service or anywhere throughout our community, if something comes up for you that you want to share or that you need to hold, please, as always, talk with one of us, talk with Fazia downstairs, talk with ministers and staff, and also, I trust that we all take care of ourselves in the ways that we need to, coming in and out of spaces and feelings as we need to, caring for ourselves and each other. This week we also have community dinner on Wednesday evening. Please take a look uh, and sign up for that on our website if you'd like. It's a great opportunity to be together in community. We also have our all-church retreat coming up in person and online on January 21st. So many opportunities to be together. I invite us now to take a moment to settle our bodies and minds and spirits to fully arrive here. For me, I am putting my feet squarely on the floor, 
taking a moment to notice my body, to settle in here with you all. And then I invite you, if you'd like, to join me for three intentional breaths, a way of arriving here in community. Breathing in. Breathing out slowly. Breathing in. Breathing out slowly. And one more. Breath in. Slow breath out. From this space of connection within and beyond and among ourselves, we remember that our breath is always shared breath, star breath, dinosaur breath, earth breath, full of stories we know and that we will never know. We make room here and now. We make room for all of the stories that have been attempted to be erased or silenced. We remember specifically the native peoples, the animals, the earth, the sky, who knew this place as home and who call it home still. And we commit ourselves to learning their stories and to repair. Come, let us worship together. Emmy, will you light the chalice for us? And I invite you to say the chalice lighting words with me, if you like. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Good morning. So when my children were little, every night we would have bedtime stories. And we read stacks and stacks of picture, picture books. It only ended when I said it was going to end. My kids would listen to stories and snuggle together for as long as I would allow that to go on. And I was not keen to stop it, truth be told, because it was such a sweet and sacred time to be together with them in that way. It usually went on at least an hour. And it was a time of exploring these beautiful books full of words and art that brought to me a sense of healing, brought me wisdom, beauty, and a deep sense of connection with my kids as we experienced them together. It was very much like church. It was like this nightly experience of being in sacred space together as a family. And as my kids grew up, and I don't remember the night that it was that this stopped happening. You never know when it's about to end. It's just gone. I grieved the loss of that time and noticed its absence in my life the loss of that ministry of those authors and those illustrators. And eventually, I realized, well, those books are still there. My kids won't snuggle up on the couch with me anymore. 
or in their beds to read. But I can still open those books and go to church on my own, like we do sometimes. So I do. I pick up a children's book whenever I can, and it ministers to me. And the one that really ministered to me a lot that I thought of as I was imagining talking with you today was this one called When Sadness is at Your Door. And in Eva Alon's story, sadness arrives at a child's door. You can see, perhaps in this picture, this bent-over, blue-green, hazy figure. That's sadness showing up. And the child has to figure out what to do with it. Well, the first thing they do, and I understand this, the first thing they do is try to keep sadness out. <laughs> Just won't open that door. But as we can all predict, that doesn't work. But eventually, the child does learn what works, letting sadness come in, acknowledging its presence, and spending time with it in ways that work for both of them. Sadness in this story finds comfort in the quieter activities, like drawing and sipping cocoa. Later in the book, the child discovers that sadness is ready, finally, to go out of the house. And so they go out into nature together, which soothes them. The child learns that they have to pay close attention to what sadness is ready for, day to day, moment to moment. But when they do, things tend to go better. Sadness is easier to live with when you give it room and listen to what it needs rather than trying to ignore it. As I read this story, I was moved to think about the time when my mom died and what it was like for me. And for about a month, while well, sadness, it just barged its way right into my house. I never did open the door, but it came in. And for about a month, we really just stayed close to home, sadness and I. My sadness felt, I, I found this to show you, uh, this little blue stuffy, who looks kind of sad and squishy, right? This is kind of what my sadness felt like, and this is kind of what I felt like moving around the house. It was always right there following me. Even when I laid down to go to sleep, it like snuggled in on the bed next to me. And I could either try to kick it off and fight with it, or I could let it be there with me and settle in. After about a month, I, just, I thought, I think we're ready. I think we're ready to go back to church. And we, Sadness and I, discovered that there was room at church for both of us, too. I remember coming into this place. It was actually on Remembrance Sunday and sitting and noticing the beautiful quality of the light, the same quality that we have this morning, being soothed by the music and the words, and being comforted by the presence of friendly faces around me. There was room for my sadness. So I think what it is is that here at church we make room, we open the door. We allow for sadness and all the other feelings that we hold to have a place here. So I wanted to ask if my sadness could hang out in one of the pews here. 
today, if there's a spot somewhere. All right. Thank you, Marin. This sadness is, well, yeah, I don't feel like I should throw it. <laughs> and I imagine there are many of us carrying sadness this morning into the space. There always are all kinds of feelings. So I brought some extra. And I wonder if you might indicate if there's a spot next to you on a pew. If you would make room. And then let's just leave these little buddies in the sanctuary and let them know there's always room for them here. There's a spot for whatever you're carrying. We're willing to scooch over. And let's just rest in the gratitude that this is the community that we are in and that we are co-creating. Right. Right now, one of our, um, one of the folks who is usually with us is, is not this morning, and, um, and that's Franco. Franco's usually here with us. Franco is fine. Franco's doing very well. Um, the piano, however, um, is, uh, is in need of some, some care. So right now, uh, a, a, little, a little piece, somewhat important, the keys, are with a technician, and the keys are being re-regulated. Now, why, why does a keyboard need to be re-regulated? Well, when you live in Minnesota, <laughs> and the humidity is this sometimes, and sometimes it's <laughs> When it gets to be, sometimes the piano does not react very well. And so the piano is, um, is doing the equivalent of, um, it's, it's got a little sniffles. Um, the piano is being cared for very well and will be back on Wednesday. But this was an opportunity for, um, uh, for us to offer um, Franco, as, as we all need to offer each other, um, some time to rest and, um, uh, and take it easy. We'll be back to... We'll be back to um, where we were with keys and all by the middle of this week is what we're looking at, okay? In the meantime, I say all of that to say um, that it's still important that we sing, and I'm going to welcome you into, um, into a song. Would you find a hymnal? The hymnals, the, the hymnal's got some great songs in it, and this, and this one I think is really great for our morning. The hymn is 346. It's called, Come Sing a Song With Me. And I'd like for us to teach each other the song. And those of us, uh, and those of us who are um, music readers or who know this already can help me teach the song. And those of us who are learning it uh, afresh uh, keep your ears open, keep your hearts attuned, and you'll catch on just fine in, a, uh, in just a little bit. It goes like this. Come sing a song with me. Come sing a song with me. 
Come sing a song with me that I might know your mind and I'll bring you hope when hope is hard to find and I'll bring a song of love and a rose in the winter time. Come dream a dream with me. Come dream a dream with me. Come dream a dream with me. Come dream a dream with me that I might know your mind and I'll and I'll bring you hope when hope is hard to find. And I'll bring a song of love and a rose in the wind. Come walk in rain with me. Come walk in rain with me. Come walk in rain with me. Come walk in rain with me, that I might know your mind. And I'll bring you hope when hope is hard to find. And I'll bring a song of love and a rose in the wind. Come share a rose with me. Come share a rose with me. Come share a rose with me. Come share a rose with me that I might know your mind. And I'll bring you hope when hope is hard to find. And I'll bring a song of love and a rose in the winter time. Thank you. Oh, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. You know, each Sunday when we gather, we practice together the rhythms of giving and receiving and growing together. And part of that involves making space for the practice of generosity. And to start us in that practice, I invite Isabel to come talk to us about some news from the Foundation Board. Morning. My name is Isabel Quast, and I'm the current... Sorry. I'm the current chair of the Foundation Board. Uh, do you know of a local organization or nonprofit doing work within our community that you would like to support? The First Universalist Foundation was created in 1984 and acts as a catalyst for social change by promoting and supporting the development of emerging leaders, youth, young adults, or dis and or disenfranchised communities through monetary grants to nonprofits working within those communities. The foundation board here at First Universalist Church is currently soliciting nominations of organizations that address racial justice, climate justice, and human rights. 
Historically, the foundation board has given out grants totaling between seventy-five dollars to $150,000 annually, with individual nonprofits and organizations receiving anywhere between five dollars to $20,000. In the last five years alone, the foundation has granted over half a million dollars to local boots-on-the-ground organizations. So, how do you nominate an organization? The First Universalist Foundation Board is currently accepting nomination submission forms through the end of the month, the 27th, from First Universalist congregates and senior high youth. One person must submit a nomination backed by two co-signers. The nominee organizations are then selected and then they will be sent a grant application. If you would like to nominate a nonprofit, please find the submission form on the church website under the giving tab. Additionally, through the month of January, um, we will have an information table down in the social hall after each service with current board members there to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you. Did I hear that right? $500,000? Over the past five years, that is amazing. That is an amazing expression of this congregation's generosity. So that's the first part of our practice of giving and receiving as we grow together. The second part is our weekly offering. So those of you that are familiar with this congregation know that each week when we make space for our weekly practice of generosity, the majority of our offering plate goes out to organizations in the community with whom we make common cause. So this is in addition to the work that the foundation supports. And this week's offering goes to support Beacon Interfaith Housing Collaborative. Beacon Interfaith Housing is an organization that we have had a long, long relationship with. They are engaged in a variety of projects and efforts um, around the Twin Cities metro and, and around the state increasingly related to housing justice. And so I encourage you to please be as generous as you are able. Um, information on how to give will uh, hopefully pop up on the walls to either side of me. And uh, you can, of course, um, put uh, cash or check in the baskets that the ushers are about to bring around. I invite the ushers to come forward to receive this morning's offering. We rest in this love. We rest in this love. We rest in this love. Kindness by Naomi Shihab Nye. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go, so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn 
the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes, that sends you out into the day to gaze at bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. As I have thought about this poem this week, two images keep coming back to me. The first is when the AIDS quilt was displayed as a memorial. The size of the cloth stretching as far as the eye could see. Sadness, lives, thread, made by countless hands. And then I have thought about my stole and how one of you, when I was first starting here, said, that stole is different than what we usually see around here. You can see the threads. It looks a little unfinished. It wasn't an insult. It was someone noticing the unfinishedness, the threadiness, the handmadeness of this stole that threads pop out of, as opposed to, look at, look at a reef stole. <laughs> it's like the suit equivalent of a stole. <laughs> you must speak to sorrow till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. We are each these threads, some of us woven tightly and beautifully, some of us homemade. But no matter if you pull, you pull one thread that is attached to all of them. That is how you see the size of the sorrow, the size of the kindness waiting for us. I invite you now just to pause to let that light from the windows shine upon you. To notice the tug of how your life, your threadiness, is connected to the size of the cloth of our collective being in this space right now. And breathe into that connection.
This is Remembrance Sunday. It is a Sunday on which we turn our attention to loss in our lives. And I think I have just been preached to a little bit. I'm, I'm sitting with the question now, thank you, Ashley, of how we can possibly show up in the messiness of grieving and our lives and being human when our imperfections are so rarely on display. What's funny is that there, is, uh, there are some flaws in this stole, but they are very tiny. And you have to get very, very close to see them. And I am acutely aware, every time I put it on, are these imperfections visible? When I have experienced loss and shown up in a congregation, shown up in a sanctuary, I have found a place to hide. In this sanctuary, it's been up in the balcony, not to call out the folks in the balcony, <laughs> or in the back of the room, those pews in the back, hoping that nobody sees me as I'm trying really, really hard to be brave and to not show how broken I feel inside, whether it was from a loss of a parent or a loved one, or the loss of a job, or grappling with the complicated reality of addiction in my family. I have tried to look like I had it all together. And I am realizing what a disservice that does us all. Later in this service, we will name the people in the congregation who have died this year. We will light candles for them and for those beyond the congregation who we have lost and whose death we hold in sacred community. And what is also true is that since we last gathered for this service, we have each experienced all manner of loss. Whether it be a job, a relationship, a favorite place or a practice that is no longer available to us as it once was. And so we begin our ritual of remembrance by naming in community the losses that we carry on our hearts today so that we can practice a different kind of giving and receiving. A giving and receiving of a fuller sense of who we are, practicing taking risks by sharing our hearts, practicing making room as we did in the story this morning, for the hard parts of life that touch us all. Like the sadness that joined us through our story this morning, it is amongst us, and we practice making room together, knowing that in community we can hold all that we carry. And so in a few moments, I will invite you to name something that you've lost this year. It might be a loved one but it may also be a pet, it might be a dream, 
It might be a marriage. It might be faith in our civic institutions. By the way, I certainly don't mean to suggest that a pet is not a loved one. My apologies if that was the impression that I gave. Honestly, these days, it might just be ambiguous loss. And that sense that something is changing, something is different, there is a sense of loss and grief that accompanies it, even if we're not sure exactly why. So I invite you to give yourself a moment to bring this loss to mind and to hold it tenderly. Now, I'm about to invite just a brief moment of interaction with those sitting near you, and I know that for some of you, interaction is not what you're wanting this morning, and that is totally fine. So I want to start there. If you would prefer not to interact with anyone at all, please just place your hand over your heart, and we will respect your desire to remain with your inner experience. Holding our experience in the sanctuary of our hearts is one way that we experience connection with the truth of this life. And another is through connection with others. And so if you are comfortable doing so, I invite you to turn to someone sitting next to you to introduce yourself and to share with them something that you've lost in this last year. And if you'd prefer not to share it out loud, that's fine too. You can just say that you'd prefer not to share. And if you prefer not to receive, that's fine too. You can say that. This is how we care for each other. We're honest about what we're open to sharing and not sharing, what we're open to receiving and not receiving. This is the practice of consent. So please bring to mind something that felt permanent that is now gone, and then turn to someone near you to briefly share what it is that you lost, treating this time and this exchange as something sacred. We light our first candle for impermanence in honest recognition that nothing lasts forever, that things are always changing. If you carry deep grief and sadness today, know that this will not last forever. If your cup is overflowing with joy, Know that this too will not last always. Octavia Butler, the black novelist, writes, the only lasting truth is change. God is change. And so we light this candle in recognition of this holy thing to love what death and loss can touch, knowing that impermanence is the nature of our being. Walking, walking. 
walking with you, walking with you is my prayer. Singing, singing with you, singing with you is my prayer. Praying, praying with you, praying with you is my prayer. Walking, walking with you, Walking with you is my prayer. We marvel. We marvel at the bodies that once were. And in our naming ritual, we will bring the dead close the bodies that once were, and name them out loud. If you have lost a loved one this past year, you are welcome to come forward to the microphone to speak the name of the one you have lost and your relationship to them. For example, you might say, Gloria, my mother. This morning we will name the dead and remember all of the ways we have been shaped by those who are no longer physically here with us. After you say the name of the person that you have lost, you are welcome to light a candle and place it in one of the trays. You are, of course, welcome to light a candle for someone you have lost and keep their name to yourself. I invite you now to share the names of those who have died. is for Milo. He was a feline family member. One candle is for my sister, Jean Johnson, and the other is for my brother-in-law, Fred Johnson. This candle is for my uncle, Kevin. Candle is for my friends Barry Wendling and Kathy Hardy. This candle is for friends Elon <clears throat> and Peter Olson. This candle is for my father John and way too many veterans I care for who have died this year. This candle is for Deshaun, <clears throat> Deshaun Hill Jr., community member, an MPS student, and my aunt Sharon. This candle is for Lija, who I never met, but who was important to many people in my life. I have a candle for Peter and Leo and other patients I've cared for, and Diane, my good friend's mom. 
Scandal is for Herbert, my father. The scandal is for Patrick Gilbertson, our beautiful nephew. The scandal is for Marcella, my birth mother. The scandal is for three people, uh, my uncle Dick, and my uncle Jim, and my aunt Lil. The scandal is for my dear friend Mo, who lost her father and a beloved dog this year, for both of them. The scandal is for my cousin, Corey, or Jason Hawk, his dad, Ron Hawk, and another uncle, Henry Lawson. To the names that you have shared, I add these names of church members who passed away this past year. Julia Miller, Fred Johnson, Jean Johnson, and David Ellenbecker. We light this candle of memory now for those who are gone, those who laughed, wept, lived, loved, worked, and moved among us, who live on in us through memory and story. We light our final candle of embracing to embrace this truth of our existence. To be human is to know loss, and to be human is to know love. We cannot choose one or the other. It is always and forever both. In a year in which we have lost so much, in a year ahead in which we will almost certainly lose more, perhaps we can take some comfort and some courage in this, that we know how to do this. This dance of loving and losing and loving again is at the very heart of what it means to be human and alive on this earth. And that is the revolution that we invite in in this month. The full experience of being human in all of its contradictions and inconsistencies all of the frayed threads hidden as we might try to keep them. The grief and the loss and the sadness that are sitting right beside us. The joy and the celebration that is there too. The revolution is not that we can acknowledge it as much as it is that we can accompany 
not only what we hold in our hearts, but maybe and especially that we can accompany and be present to that which we may not immediately recognize as our own. As Ram Das said, we are all just walking each other home. May this knowing and this holding in the care of this community be a resting place for us when we need it. May we hold this space of grief and care and love for others when we have it to give. And may we always remember, in the words of Reverend John Cummins, that there is but one place where time and death have no dominion, and that place is love. May it be so, and amen. There is a love holding me. There is a love holding all that I love. There is a love holding all I rest in this love. There is a love holding us. There is a love holding us. There is a love holding all that we love. There is a love holding all we rest in this love. We rest in this love. There is a last time for everything that we will do. Often we do not know when that last time will be. So, what is the most important thing? The poet Mary Oliver tells us it is this, that to live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal. To hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it. And when the time comes to let it go, to let it go. May we endeavor to live in such a way. May it be so, and amen. And as we go forth, let us go forth singing. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go, 
sing with me. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. And Thanks for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. If you've been nourished by what you've heard, please consider supporting our ministry. Podcasts are free to download, but they cost money to make. Visit firstuniversalistchurch.org slash donate to make your gift. We are a faith community committed to dismantling oppression and building beloved community. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.